Welcome to the Sober Podcast, brought to you by the Sober Network. We're revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy and much more. Get ready to hear fresh ideas in an industry that has relied on dated interventions for decades. We're helping a new generation of substance users who are digital natives and our technology expertise is resulting in impactful social change. We understand how to get things done. We walk the walk. Our multiple award-winning platforms have proven that technology, coupled with incentivized human accountability, produces measurable, positive outcomes. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Sober Podcast, brought to you by Sober Network and the soon-to-be Soberverse. I'm your guest host, Jason Ross, and I am here today with Nick Davis, joining us from Oakville, Ontario, Canada, up in the Great White North. Nick has a degree in drug and alcohol treatment and is a coach for male entrepreneurs in recovery. Thank you for joining us today, Nick. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you, uh, Dr. Jason. How are you? Doing, doing great, doing great. So you have a very interesting niche in the coaching world. What made you decide to go in that direction? Like, how'd you get there? And you're, you're an entrepreneur as well, so you have a couple of interesting hats. Yeah, yeah, you know... Um, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me, and it's a pleasure to be on on your show or, or the Sober Network uh, podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think uh, just based on my own experience and and being in sobriety just over four years, uh, I decided to um, share my my story publicly by first and foremost writing a book called Take Off, which I launched my third year of sobriety, and uh, from there I, I launched a coaching. Um, business, which focuses on helping men in recovery. Um, but before I did that, I wanted to make sure I had the credentials. So I went uh, and finished a diploma in drug and alcohol treatment, as well as a life coaching um, uh, certificate. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's been great. You know, a lot of the work that I've done has been one-on-one with, um, with people that um, are a little bit you know, they don't want to be in the public eye with sobriety and want to get that one-on-one support. Um, and they could relate to my story. And uh, it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey ever since, ever since. That's quite, 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 quite a journey. Talk to me a little bit about the book, Take Off. What's, you know, yeah. what's it about? How did it come to come to fruition? So it's funny, you know, I'm in, as I, I think I mentioned to you before we chatted here that I have a real estate, uh, I'm in the real estate business as well. So, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in a, a fairly public uh, business and a lot of people knew that I got clean and sober and I had a lot of fear of, of opening up about my story, but then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, uh, people that knew me were reaching out that were struggling and I was in the midst of writing my book. So, um, Takeoff is a book about my my past, uh, what happened, what uh, how I got clean and sober, and where I'm at now with my life. And I, I wrote the book um, to really show anyone that no matter how how deep you are in addiction and and where you are, you know, if you're at that bottom in life, um, as you know, doctor, where things can take you, um, you can overcome them and you can change your life around. And I lost everything because of alcoholism and addiction. And I'm open about it because I think in today's day and age, it's very important that, you know, we do recover out loud and share these type of stories because I wouldn't be where I am now um, with my business and my life if I didn't get sober. And so I thank God every day because of that. And you really saw the bottom when you'd lost everything. Is that fair to say? Yeah. What hit, what hit, you know, what hit you the most, you know, cause well, you're very successful, right? Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, 
you know, tumbling in my business. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was, uh, I was in active alcoholism and I sold three homes in one day. And this is when the real estate market was, was really hot. And again, this was about four years ago, but by the third home, I was so intoxicated. I woke up, um, on the office floor of my, in my office to my manager at the time, waking me up. And, um, it was a Friday morning and I blacked out. I didn't remember anything. And they, uh, the president of the company sent me an email that afternoon and they called a meeting for the Monday and the Monday came and, uh, they were sending me to a treatment center in, um, in Malibu called promises. And all I had to do was stay sober for 24 hours. And I couldn't even do that. And uh, I remember I was on my way to the airport. I thought I had the shuttle guy convinced that I was sober, but he smelled alcohol, pulled it over, did a breathalyzer. And next thing you know, I'm turning back to come back to Oakville. And uh, things got even deeper, worse and worse and worse. And I resigned from that company because of ego. You know, I didn't want them finding out that I you know Nick didn't go to treatment, even though we were going to spend $60,000 on Nick because we believed in him as I was one of the top sales reps with the company. And um And things I had to keep hitting that bottom, unfortunately. And uh, I eventually did. Um, I was in and out of the program um, for a couple of years. I had six months of sobriety, but I never fully, I always knew in the back of my mind, I was going to go back out. So it took me a couple of years to to get a grip of sobriety. But the last time I I had a drink was December 19th, 2017. So I hit four years in December. And um, in in, in that four-year timeframe, you know, I've, I've rebuilt my career, uh, I, I've been, you know, a father to my son. I have a 10 year old son, um, which is most important thing for me. And, uh, I wrote a book, sharing my experience, what happened, uh, how I had to make my amends. And I launched a coaching program to help men, you know, to, to help men. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. All right. So, in, so you getting into sobriety, you actually did take off technically speaking, you really started the story in a very different way. I did. Yeah. But, you know, after a year of sobriety, I went through some challenges. I, I went through a big business deal that didn't go through that I worked on. And, uh, you know, the old Nick would have went and gone back to his old ways. And it was very tough for me not to. And I think I shared with you before we were chatting that um, that's where I saw a demand for these type of the, the type of program that I'm going to be launching uh, for men. So as of right now, I do help men one-on-one, but I, I'm going to be launching in the next two months, a coaching program, a 60 day coaching program specifically designed for men to carry on with their sobriety and to help with their recovery um, and deal with life sober. Cause as, as you know, that's one of the toughest things, right? You get off the substances or alcohol and then it's like, now what, right? You have to deal with life sober. And that's when a lot of people tread, they tread on the water and they either go back out or they continue to move forward. And that's where I saw based on my own experience that there was a demand for something um, like this, that, that I've created. Fantastic. So you've gone through all this experience and you've now figured out how to turn it around and you're starting to connect with more and you're obviously looking to help others in so many ways. Um, Tell me a little bit about your five points. I'm sorry, five steps. Cause I know we got 12 steps, but Tell me about your five steps. I want to know more about that. Yeah. So number one is honesty, which, you know, as you know, is kind of like the first step of of AA until you get honest and you make, you have a problem and your life is unmanageable. Um, It's just so important to drop the gloves. I say drop the gloves because we're big hockey people here. (laughs) You're from New York. So you understand that Um, suit up and show up is number two. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, no matter what, no matter what state you're in, get up, 
and, and getting out of bed um, is tough for a lot of people in recovery, right? Because they still, especially early recovery, have that self-pity and guilt and shame about past actions and past decisions that you've made. Um, I don't necessarily mean jump in a suit. I mean, I wear suits a lot. I'm not right now. But, uh, and I, you probably saw on my website and stuff like that. I, I do wear suits quite often. Um, sure. Three, communicate. You know, communicating with people is important, whether it's business-related or recovery-related. I would think that I could honestly say that the best way that I've stayed sober is fellowship and communicating with people in recovery. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I can pick up the phone and reach out to get out of self and help someone else. Um, four is consistency. Um, it's very tough for, for people in recovery to be consistent with their recovery. And when you, when you kind of get off, you know, you feel like you're, you know, whether it's meetings or whatever your recovery um, method is, because um, there's so many different, there's so many different ways that people find recovery, um, whether it's 12 step or, or smart recovery or, or an addictions counselor, I think is very important to be consistent with that. Right. Um, and then five is stay focused. I think that, um, you know, if, if you're anything like me, sometimes the brain can get a little squirrely. And I think it's very important to to stay focused. And for me, it's um, it's again, consistency, consistency and staying focused is very important. I, I have to try to go to bed at the same time. I usually try to get up. It's not perfect. I have my off days. Um, but I know that if um, I bring it back of, of remembering where things were like when I was in active addiction and where I'm at now, I can stay focused and be grateful because, um, you know, there are times that I have bad days. It's not all rainbows and Skittles as much as I'd like to pretend it is. Right, right, right. right. So it sounds like you really are good at uh, keeping keeping the structure there. And by, and by the way, while, uh, while I'm, from New, I'm from New York, I did see the last uh, Rangers Canadians game at the old forum in Montreal. In, oh, no. yes. In 1995, well, that, I was there with, with my friends watching an unbelievable, probably still the best sporting event I've ever seen the uh, way that stadium was set up. Um, that's amazing. Well, funny story. So my dad used to train the Montreal Canadiens. So back in the 70s. Yeah, right. So we okay. have a bit of all Canadian uh, blood. You could say I'm a Leaf fan, but <laughs> I, I figured I, I that's why I didn't wear the Expos cap today, just because I didn't <laughs> I didn't want to make a Montreal versus Toronto uh trade-off. So okay. Just Sorry. Wanted, I just yeah, I want to make sure I didn't I didn't hit anything. Okay. Um, okay. So tell me a little bit about real estate for you now, being in the business. Are you still practicing anything you're seeing going on, trends, etc.? Yeah, no, of course I'm still practicing. So I'm with a Canadian company called Royal LePage, and uh, we're we're the biggest real estate uh, brokerage out of Canada. And I have a team, the Nick Davis Group, which focuses in uh, just outside of Toronto. So we're in a town called Oakville, um, and uh, we, we serve kind of west of the city. So it's about half an hour west from Toronto. And I have um, two two agents that work for me, and I should say with me because we work like a team, and we. Focus on uh, luxury real estate, resale, um, as well as new developments here here in Oakville. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of um, a little jits about our, our team. The market right now is um, it's a seller's market. There's lack of inventory, um, and uh, it's driving prices up. And uh, yeah, it's pretty hectic right now down here. Pretty hectic. Okay, 
I can I can understand. Yeah, we're we're in we're in Miami here, so it, you know it's it's quite interesting to see what happens on a daily basis. I know you know yeah the, you know all the sales that have happened, but rents you know skyrocketing in the last few months. So we're definitely seeing that uh, on our end. Um, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we will be back just in a moment. The Sober Podcast is giving voice to recovery and is now part of the Soberverse. Join our new virtual sober environment where you can connect with people like yourself and find helpful resources in the following digital spaces. Sobernetwork.com, Sober.com, Sobersystems.com, Soberpodcast.com, Sobercoin.io, and RecoveryCoaches.com. Everything happens in the verse. Okay, and we are back with Nick Davis coming out of Oakville, Ontario, Canada. So we've been discussing a number of different subjects. Uh, biggest among the two are, you know, sobriety. So can you talk about the most difficult struggles you've gone through and how you really uh, overcame them? Because on the on surface, it might seem simple, but it's probably a little bit more in depth than that. Yeah, I mean, um, just in regards to when you when I first got clean and sober, I think you know, like I said, once you get off the substances and you get off alcohol, the real life kicks in and you realize like I, I lost everything and I had a lot of um, debts that I had to take care of due to my addiction. And I think that's the, a, a real big test for people on if you're going to continue to move forward with this journey of life, because, you know, picking up a bottle would have been an excuse for anything when I was ignoring certain things. You know, I owed the CRA, which is like the IRS, quite a bit of money. And to deal with that, I mean, it was painful, you know, but I knew I had to deal with it. And I knew other people in recovery that had moved forward from that. And that really gave me hope in doing so. Um, and, and once I cleaned that up, it uh, so I felt like it was the best feeling in the world, right? Instead of moving backwards and going back to my old behaviors. Um, but it wasn't easy. There were days where I did want to give up. There were days where I was like, you know, forget about it. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to go back to to doing those things because it would just put me in, um, you know, in a worse situation. Cause every time I went back out and I was a chronic relapser, like I said, I was in and out of the rooms for, for many years. Um, and until I fully surrendered and started doing the work, it, um, the obsession somehow one day got lifted and I just powered through the work and I knew that I wanted to be a different Nick. Um, but it, it, it was not easy. It was not easy. And, um, those were, I think dealing with, um, worries about my reputation, um, in the business, I never thought I'd sell a house again in Oakville. Um, and by the way, I was born and raised here. So I have a really big network here and everyone knew I was a mess, uh, if they knew me. Um, but I've rebuilt that, you know, I've rebuilt all of this, um, uh, my, my, um, my reputation, the best of my ability. And I know that I can be the best Nick for today. Um, and, and, but I guess what you're, what I'm saying is um, the hardest part for me was obviously to lose the obsession. But once that happened was dealing, realizing the mess that I put myself in, you know, with relationship wise and, and, and financial wise, it was, it was just a mess. So I had to fix it and I did, and, and, but that was tough. It wasn't easy. I can imagine. What was there a point early on? It's it's one thing when you get clean. It's another though when you have some awareness that you really actually have a problem. You know, some people are in denial and other people are not necessarily in denial. Doesn't mean they're going to change their behaviors always. Was there ever a point where you go, yeah, this is a problem. 
I think I had to um, go back out there, unfortunately. And every time I went back out, it just got worse. You know, the blackouts got worse. Um, it's a story, you know, if you read my book, uh, one of the last times I drank was, um, I remember I was playing tennis in the morning and uh, the World Cup was on or Euro Cup, one of those tournaments. And after I finished my tennis game, I started drinking. Don't remember anything from the rest of the day and woke up uh, at three in the morning in a path around the corner from uh, my ex-girlfriend's parents place and when i woke up i knew that you know i knew i had to do something about my drinking because it just you know um i was already on the verge of losing everything which i i did and um and that's that was the the day i went to my first aa meeting and um my girlfriend at the time made me call aa and i was you know that walked into the rooms and like i said i i was in and out for a couple years of the program okay so with that being said, you were talking originally, uh, one of the topics that came up, which you know certainly comes up a lot in these discussions is ego. How, yes. did, how did yeah. ego play in for you? Because it's an interesting thing that you had success in a lot of things you were doing, but running your life apparently less manageable. How did that yeah. play out with ego? So, I mean, obviously my ego got shot. I mean, um, I resigned from the company that was sending me to treatment because I didn't want anyone in my business to know that they were going to, that they fired me because they were going to let me go right for not going to treatment. Um, and, um, ego played a huge part in this, you know, cause, um, from the outside in, I looked like I had everything put together, but you know, the, the bartenders and, and locally, as well as people that knew me well, knew I had a problem. And there was many people that tried to get, get me help. Um, but my ego wouldn't accept it. Right. My ego wouldn't, and I had to keep hitting that bottom worse and worse until I, I had my own path of my own journey. Right. And unfortunately I didn't get sober right away, but, um, it took a bit of time, but eventually it clicked. It clicked. How old, how old were you when you started drinking? Oh, geez. 13. 13. 13. You know, what's funny. And I don't say this, like, I actually do remember my first drink and I know a lot of guys, I remember my first drink. Well, I actually do. And it was Newfoundland screech, believe it or not. And it was in my dad's basement. Um, and, uh, I was 13 years old and I do remember swigging that. And that came to mind like a year ago. I just remembered it. Cause everyone's like, Oh, do you remember your first drink? And I didn't, but then somehow came to mind about a year ago. And I do remember it. Um, you know, and, and drinking and partying was a big part of my lifestyle before real estate, I was in the nightclub business. So, um, I, I hosted parties about six nights of the week. Um, so that progressively got worse and worse. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not exactly a path towards sobriety with at least with that. No, no. Not, not, not typically a, associated with it. it, it yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what, what was your, your family's reaction when you, when you finally surrendered? Well, you know, there was a lot of damage done. I have two older sisters and uh, they really didn't want anything to do with me, which I don't blame them because I wouldn't show up to family events or if I did, I was, you know, half in the bag. Um, but I made my amends and I, I, I went through that and, um, it's, you know, they obviously with four years, it's a bit of a different relationship. They're so happy that I'm clean and sober and, uh, they've seen the work that I've done to get clean and sober and change my life around. And, uh, like, like as you know, you have to do the work. This isn't, uh, just stop drinking. I mean, you know, if you, if I could have done that, I would have done it a long time ago, 
Um, but unfortunately I couldn't, you know, I was powerless over that. And, um, uh, my relationship now is, is really, really good with, uh, with both my mom and my dad, as well as my sisters. And most importantly, my 10 year old son, uh, Jackson, I didn't see him for a long time because of drinking. And, um, it was, uh, I had a lot of guilt and shame and a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of guilt, shame, and remorse about that, uh, Dr. Jason, just because, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in a really good family. You know, I grew up with a really good family. And so I was the last person anyone thought was an alcoholic. Um, if, if you knew our family, right. So, and, and that just goes to show that that's another reason why I opened up. Everyone thinks an alcoholic is someone with, um, you know, a paper bag with over a bottle with a trench coat. I mean, I was in a suit sitting at the bar, sweating, drinking. Um, uh, and it just got to a point where, um, everything came crashing down. More than one. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to ask you. You know, could you name one or two really big misconceptions that people have about addiction? Yeah, I think the misconception is that um, it's not a disease. It is a disease, and um, I think that um, I think especially now there's a lot more awareness and there's a lot more. you know, recovery out loud. And this is great to do these type of things. Just if this helps one person, I'm happy. You know what I mean? And that's so important. And I I know that a lot of people do want to remain anonymous and uh, that's, that's completely up to them. But, you know, for people that have changed their lives around and their lives are going in the right direction, I think it's good to let people know that you're not alone. You can change. And I've done it. I've been there. And I never thought that I'd, I'd get um, myself out of the mess that I got myself into. And more importantly, not drink or use for today, right? And, and you know, they say those one day at a time. I used to hate that, eh? One day at a time and keep coming back and all that and that. But those are the, that's true. It's true, you know? Well, you're, you're, you're living it and walking it. Fa- it's fabulous to hear. So, Tell us where people can get in contact with you. They can find your program, et cetera. And who, anyone you want to give a shout out to, we'd, we'd love to hear. Yeah, sure. Um, so my personal website is nickdavisinc.com. So it's uh, N-I-C-K-D-A-V-I-S and then I-N-C.com, which links both to my real estate company as well as my coaching uh my coaching website. Um, so that would be the easiest way to, to communicate with me. Um, and then, you know, you'll probably see our, our coaching program being officially launched within the next couple of months. So we're just finalizing all the, uh, details with that. And, um, but yeah, I love connecting with people in recovery, um, even outside recovery, obviously too. But, um, I think that it's important that we all kind of connect together and, and, and spread the awareness out that, um, you can change your life and it, it, it does work, right? Fabulous. We're going to end on that. That's a great way to end. Um, we'd like to thank everybody for joining the show today. Please make sure you continue listening to all our episodes on all major platforms, as well as the soberpodcast.com. Take care and have a great day. Stay safe. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope it's been as good for you as it was for us. Please share our show with all of your friends, family, and acquaintances, and future encounters so we can grow and make our mission a larger reality. We have a growing social media presence on all platforms, so find us and like us, especially on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're listed in all major podcast directories like Spotify, Google, Apple, and the rest of them. Thank you all who make this show happen. Howie, our host, Carrie, our producer, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.